Welcome to the Vibe Within Podcast. I'm your host, Gab Cohen. Each week, we will connect through stories and conversations about wellness, yoga, addictions, spirituality, mental health, rituals, and everything in between. The goal is to transform our traumas into strengths to create the change we desire in our lives. My mission is to help others by shining awareness on real-life topics so we can learn new ways to heal physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Whatever you are going through in this moment, you are not alone. So let's connect and heal our vibe within. But how can I transform resistance? Release that struggle and harm into calm energy. Welcome back to the Vibe Within podcast. I'm your host, Gab Cohen, and I have been taking a little bit of a hiatus on Instagram, but I figured why not record a podcast episode because the last couple episodes have been replays because I am preparing for a whole new round of interviews with some really awesome guests some eating disorder experts, some healers, uh, some ketamine treatment providers, some really cool stuff I have planned. So I figured I would just kind of replay a couple of episodes here or there that are really powerful and that I feel like would help you. So honestly, this episode might be a little all over the place, but that's kind of where my life is at right now and the first part of this episode I'm going to talk about some stuff that I've been going through in real time and then I'm going to talk about sober dating and dating while you know bettering yourself or in recovery of some sort maybe you're in recovery for drug and alcohol abuse maybe you're just trying to stay sober Maybe you're just living a sober-ish lifestyle, and I gotta tell you, it's equally as hard to date when you're just trying to be a little bit more sober, because everything revolves around drinking, everything revolves around smoking, uh, especially if you live in a city like Miami or New York or Los Angeles. Um, And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with having a drink or smoking a joint there's really nothing wrong with any of that but when you are trying to be sober and you're also trying to meet friends or you're trying to date um, it can be quite intimidating to people especially men and I'm not trying to just one-off men right now but I am a woman so I'm speaking from my life experience when I talk to a guy let's say on an app or even just a friend or whatever and I say oh no I'm not drinking right now like I'm focusing on my health Um, it's either they they just stop answering or they you can just sense that they get a little weird and I'm gonna get more into this but before I you know get into the other topics what I'm gonna say is 
usually if someone isn't fully comfortable with themselves then obviously having drugs or alcohol will be some kind of social lubricant and a buffer because if a girl says to a guy um, and I'm sorry to, to, to use gender pronouns here, but I'm just giving you an example. If, if you know, on a dating app, if someone says to the other person, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not really drinking right now. And, and you know, that other, the other person, their, their only ideas were, oh, let's go get drinks. Let's go to happy hour. No, I'm not drinking. Oh, okay, well, what about, let's, let's go smoke a joint on the beach. So, and this is a personal uh, example because this this happened to me recently and I was just like I'm just gonna unmatch this guy because he obviously has no other willing willingness within him to do anything sober-minded and um, so yeah that's a big red flag for me so that's just a little piece of what I'm gonna talk about in a little bit but I want to kind of go in chronological order because Recently, I have gone through quite a, I would say it's a relapse um, with drinking, with partying, and my eating disorder. I don't necessarily consider myself an alcoholic and in recovery to be sober because I am not an alcoholic. Um, I have, have gone to AA meetings and I definitely did not feel like I belonged there because I genuinely don't miss drinking. I don't even really like to drink. The reason why I used drugs and alcohol, especially in high school and in college, is basically to mask away the voice of my eating disorder and my depression and my anxiety. So, um, and I know that that's that's true for many people. People drink to mask their depression or their anxiety. Um, and during art school and college and stuff like that, I'm sure I would have been considered an alcoholic because the amount of partying that me and my friends did was every single day. I mean, it would be a Tuesday night and we would be drinking and doing coke. So, I'm happy that I'm not in that kind of headspace anymore um, and I know myself and everybody's recovery is different so if you're the kind of person that's like you know if I have a drink I'm just gonna spiral and I'm gonna want to drink a few times a week I'm gonna want to go out and do coke I'm gonna want to go do other drugs then that is a huge sign and that's information that maybe you do lean on the alcoholic kind of label side and you know if you believe in labels and whatever for me personally my eating disorder and my depression and anxiety are all wrapped up into one thing and that is my addiction that is my constant so drugs and alcohol um, have weaved through in and out every so often with different phases in my life but I've gone long periods of time with no drinking with no partying and um, and in those phases of life my eating disorder started to rev up so my eating disorder is always there the drugs and alcohol aren't always there and I 
I've, I joke around and I say, oh, I have the best of both worlds. You know, I've been an addict and I've done the whole drugs and alcohol thing and I have an eating disorder. So I really can speak to an audience who's dealing with both things because I have dealt with both things. When I was living in Philly, I there was a period of time where I was doing Molly and I was doing Coke like regularly. There was like a solid, I want to say... 30 to 40 days where I was doing coke every single day Um, and that was a rock bottom of my life if you haven't listened to my podcast and this is like the first episode that you've listened to I recommend going back to the episodes from 2019 and and 2020 but I talk a lot about how I you know went through my Saturn return and I became homeless and then I moved to Philly and it was a really rough time. It was a really rough time, but um, the drugs and alcohol stopped, and then my eating disorder revved up. So again, this is it's like this this constant dance that I feel like I'm in. Um, and I've had every kind of iteration of eating disorders at this point. Um, anorexia, I was, you know, hospitalized when I was 15 years old in high school, like ninth, ninth or 10th grade. And um, so I had severe anorexia. And then every iteration of my eating disorder, you know, from binge eating to then using drugs and alcohol to mask my hunger, to mask my hatred for my body when I was in high school. I went to high school in New Jersey where um, drugs are very easily accessible, or at least they used to be. And, you know, when we were in high school, it was normal for juniors and seniors to be doing heroin and cocaine. And (laughs) I mean, thinking back, it's just crazy. Um, But I was definitely using drugs to mask away my confusion, my self-hatred, my body image issues, because I didn't really get the treatment that I needed in order to actually fully recover when I was that age in high school. Um, I I was just doing what I was told. I got weight restored. Then, um, you know, binging happens, extreme hunger happens. Then my exercise addiction happened because I was so uncomfortable in my body and I didn't get the treatment that I needed. Um, Treatment was way different back then and I'm hoping that it's it's useful now for for kids who are 15 years old or, you know, in, in high school. But Um, so recently I've just been dealing with a lot of disordered eating stuff, a lot of body image stuff. Um, I have talked a lot about this in previous episodes about how, you know, I got my, my menstrual cycle back and how that's, that's a normal thing to go when, when you've dealt with eating disorders and, and I want to break a myth you don't have to be underweight to even lose your period. So for years, I, I'm actually not underweight. I'm actually a normal weight for my height, for my body. Um, but for years, you know, after high school, all through college, I not only was partying and doing drugs and alcohol, but I was binging, I was restricting, um, and I was in that cycle. Um, with, you know, doing these drug benders on cocaine or on Adderall and then, um, you know, starving myself and then binging when I was at friends' houses because I was, like, always poor. So I would, like, 
eat a lot when I was with with friends or I would like eat in private I would go to the gas station and get like a ton of unhealthy food so I was in a really different headspace then but I didn't realize um I didn't even realize that I had an eating disorder still I think the fact that I wasn't anorexic anymore um I just started to push down any any kind of body stuff and there there I mean throughout college throughout throughout art school I definitely did not like my body and I still um found myself obsessing about being thin or you know wishing I was thin or obsessing about other people's bodies who were thin I remember you know I went to I went to art school for fashion, for fashion merchandising, for fashion, you know, marketing. And I remember, um, you know, working in fashion, fashion um, shows and runway shows, being around a lot of models, being around a lot of tall, thin, skinny women and being super, super jealous of them. And, you know, I'm five foot two ish, maybe I'm never going to be tall. So that was always something that I I remember my body image was never good, but I always felt better when I was doing uppers or drinking alcohol. So now that I'm an adult and I'm, you know, in a different phase of my recovery, I realize where I was at mentally back then. So recovery and any whenever you're recovering from anything, whether it's an eating disorder, whether it's you know, some kind of obsession or uh, recovering from abuse or trauma or substance abuse, there's going to be layers, there's going to be different waves, there's going to be different phases of your recovery, and it is just just being mindful of it and finding gratitude for where you're at, like, okay, like being being aware, okay, this worked when I was doing this and this didn't work and not trying to do it all at once because trying to fix everything all at once isn't possible. So taking small steps each day, that's why, you know, 12 step recovery programs are so successful because you're just taking it one day at a time, you're abstaining from drugs and alcohol. Um, But when it comes to eating disorders, it's a little bit different because you can't just abstain from food. Um, you have to literally rewire your brain, you have to decondition your, your thoughts about your body, about food, about what you eat, all these rules, you have to kind of unlearn everything and you have to figure out what works for you and even if you don't have a legitimate eating disorder but you are affected by diet culture and you're, you know, you feel it day in, day out, like you're kind of judging your body here and there, you, you think you should eat a certain way, or you're not happy with the way you look, you can, you can thank diet culture for that, because chances are, it's not like there's a bunch of people in your life who's telling you to go lose weight, or go work out, fatty, you know, like people aren't saying that to you, and if there is, if there are people saying that to you, then that is a problem 
but for the most part, diet culture, um, if you've never dealt with eating disorders before, but you feel like you're starting to lean into these like disordered eating habits and rituals and behaviors, then it is um, a smart thing to do to kind of like take inventory about, okay, who's around me? Who's talking about this around me? Where am I going where I feel like I'm comparing my body? Is it the gym? Is it yoga? Like, I mean, eating disorders run rampant in, in the yoga industry, and I, as someone who is in active recovery for disordered eating, I have a really hard time teaching yoga sometimes because I am around um, very, very thin women who appear to have um, some kind of exercise addiction or maybe they're underweight maybe they're naturally underweight who knows but my eating disorder um, part of me is always living inside of me and sometimes it's hard to lower that voice so I have to really um, consciously like lower the volume of the voice each day it's a practice it's it's a commitment each day to to commit myself to changing the way that my, my brain works because when you're living with um, an eating disorder or an, or a substance abuse, it's like a different part of you is living within you and it's, it's kind of like a bully in your brain. Um, so that's just something to be mindful of that it takes constant day in, day out effort to go against that voice because it's been so many years like for me it's been 17 years that I've been dealing with disordered eating with um, drug and alcohol abuse like waves of it coming in and out like I said it, it hasn't been consistently um, every every year that I've been abusing drugs and alcohol I've actually gone two years without drinking and partying and drugging I've gone, when I lived in LA, I wasn't really drinking for like a, a solid two years when I was, um, you know, when I became a yoga teacher and I was like doing hot yoga every day. Plus I was like poor, so I couldn't really even afford to drink or do drugs. So <laughs> there's that too. Okay, so before I get deeper into uh, what I've been going through physically with relapse, with drinking, with partying, Let's have a little moment for our sponsor, BetterHelp. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I seriously love BetterHelp so much. They're one of my favorite sponsors, and I will tell you why I love them so much. When I started this podcast, I was going through a really rough time. I'm talking drug relapse, drug addiction, drug abuse, relationship issues, anxiety, depression. I was going through one of the craziest moves of my life. So therapy really helped me get through a lot of that. And online therapy is, in my opinion, even better than going to a therapist's office because, let's face it, our lives have changed the last year or so and I just feel like online therapy is the best way to go. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating with them in less than 48 hours. They really do match you with with a therapist so quickly. It takes, in my case, less than 24 hours. 
It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And there's a broad range of expertise available, which might not really be locally available in all areas. The service is available for clients worldwide, and it's super easy to access your account. You can log in, you can send a message to your counselor really at any time you want, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, whatever you prefer. I like to do phone sessions sometimes because sometimes I like to, to go on a walk when I go on, when I do my therapy sessions. It's really up to you. Traditional therapy can come with kind of a stressful energy attached to it. So I really love how BetterHelp is really controlled by the the patient. If you want to connect with your therapist and communicate something with them, they have a journal feature, which I absolutely love. This journal feature has the option of sharing your journal entries with your therapist, but if you want to keep them totally uh, private and anonymous towards yourself, you don't have to share them with your therapist. But I really like this feature because For many of us, starting fresh with a new therapist gives us a lot of anxiety and it can trigger us. Um, So if you feel like that, you're not alone. I felt the same exact way because let's face it, a new therapist has to ask questions and try to get on the same page as where their client is. And sometimes rehashing our our history of trauma and all the details can become kind of exhausting and a little bit annoying. So what I do when I start with a new therapist, like I did on BetterHelp, is I use the journal feature and I wrote kind of a lengthy email explaining to the therapist where what I've been through in the last few years, where I'm at right now, what I'm looking for in therapy, and what kind of therapy I've done, what kind of therapy I'm interested in, and what I'd like um, out of a therapist. So this is super important. If starting with a brand new therapist gives you panic or anxiety or stress, This is the most stress-free approach you could possibly do. I love how they matched me with someone with the experience and qualifications that I asked for. I personally asked for a therapist who had some experience with eating disorders, depression, and relationship trauma. Once BetterHelp matched me with my therapist, she messaged me right away and then I scheduled my first session with her for that week. The process is easy, effortless, and stress-free. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. So if you're going through a hard time right now, and let's face it, so many of us are, whether it's emotional turbulence, depression, anxiety, relationship issues, LGBTQ issues, whatever it is, body image, self-esteem, BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit betterhelp.com slash vibe. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, and join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Vibe within listeners, you get 10% off of your first month of online counseling at betterhelp.com slash vibe. 
That's better H E L P dot com slash vibe. Betterhelp.com slash vibe. Go start online therapy. DM me on Instagram. Let me know how it's going. And I hope that you get the help, the support, and the healing that you deserve. Okay, so we are back and let's get into it. Let's get into what I've been going through because I feel like if I share my complete vulnerability with you all, um, maybe you've been going through some crazy stuff as well. I think there's a lot that's been going on astrologically and I'm not going to sit here and blame the astrology or the stars for my relapse, but this is what's going on. So I the whole month of August was super crazy for me. I, as you know, um, moved back to Miami in the beginning of the summer and like in May and I'm teaching yoga again and in August I feel like nobody in Miami wants to be here so everybody goes on vacation so I said yes to sub like a million classes in August so I went full force from zero to a hundred to teaching yoga and my body just wasn't used to it and being around a lot of bodies being around mirrors you know wearing tight clothes seeing myself in the mirror when you deal with an eating disorder or any type of body image um, issues like body dysmorphia it can be daunting to just you know dive head in um, without really preparing yourself which I didn't I didn't really prepare myself I just wanted to start teaching again I just wanted to start making money again I was tired of not making money and like living off of what savings I have like I really need needed to amp it up so I said yes to like everybody who asked me to sub their class and now I know that I can't do that so I subbed I taught a lot and then I went to a wedding in Kentucky for one of my best friends Ryan from art school and it was it was an amazing time because I got to see all of my art school friends my college friends I made some new friends I mean, I saw people that I hadn't seen in like 10 years and we all flew in, we all got an Airbnb house together and then after the wedding we got a hotel, me and four other people got a hotel room in Nashville and I was around people nonstop for 24 hours straight for four days and for me that's a lot because I am an introvert. (laughs) Um, So being around a lot of rowdy guys and a lot of I mean, I'm, I'm going to say this in the nicest way. The people I went to art school with and my, my college friends, we partied so hard back in the day that I think I might have a little bit of a trauma response now. Um, and it's nothing against them. It's, it's because I know me and I know that partying and drinking um, definitely relapsed me and my eating disorder so I'm not actually beating myself up for drinking at the wedding because I had an amazing time Um, it was like one of the most fun nights of my life Um, I had I met a new friend and she's she was single and we just partied so hard we had such a good time Um, I did have an Adderall which helped me get through the night (laughs) Um, 
and I drank a lot but I also drank a lot of water and I also you know made sure that I wasn't like abusing myself so I'm not beating myself up for drinking and for having a good time because weddings happen like once in a lifetime and I had an amazing time seeing all of my friends it was like a college reunion with that said um it was triggering my eating disorder because I was dealing with a lot of body image issues that weekend um my hormones have been out of whack for several years and since I just got my period back a few months ago my hormonal like levels they go up and down like crazy I I'm not going to talk about pounds but like I gain weight very easily um especially when my hormones are out of whack and since I'm short you know a few pounds 10 pounds like whatever um it's a lot on my small frame so it's just a lot and I tried to just really you know just have a good time gab just let yourself have a good time and these old patterns these old behaviors that I did in art school and college came back up you know I drank I drank my body image issues away for the night I took an Adderall that made me happy um temporarily I might add because the next day I did not feel good at all um I felt physically really awful my body was holding on to water weight again my my adrenals and my hormones are all out of whack so drinking just makes it even worse and I also just learned that drinking actually slows your metabolism down it fucks up your hormones even more because it's poison so when you do ingest alcohol it it kind of signals to your body that everything must stop we have to figure out what's going on with this alcohol that's coming into the body and we need to metabolize it we need to it's it's poison so the body kind of um creates a hierarchy of what's important so metabolizing food metabolizing sugar that's not important um it's kind it kind of goes into this shock and and that's why people gain weight from drinking that's why people can can feel puffy and bloated and and gross the next day after drinking i mean it's science it makes sense i have been binging on tons of like podcasts about hormones about eating disorder recovery Um, i will put the names of them in the show notes but that's my that's like my my best kind of form of of eating disorder recovery right now because podcasts like there's so many eating disorder experts and drug and alcohol abuse experts who have podcasts and they're out there for free they're just giving out free information they're giving out free support they're interviewing like some of the top experts in the field so I I highly recommend like if you don't have a therapist which I really hope that you can at least try to get one with better help because they're not that expensive compared to some therapists but if you don't then use podcasts like seriously use podcasts Um, there are like a lot of like free mini courses out there as well obviously YouTube 
so um yeah so the you know the wedding I would say relapsed me into a restrictive spiral and my eating disorder kind of revved up because when I'm around people I kind of put my needs on the back burner and when I'm around my friends from art school I mean none of them are vegan none of them are even vegetarian so I I did pack a lot of snacks I packed a lot of you know stuff that isn't perishable that I was like you know snacking throughout the whole four days that I was on this little trip but eating trail mix for four days is not sustainable so I found myself in this um you know mental and physical spiral and from the drinking from the restricting from not hydrating enough my body blew up like a fish like what it felt like you know like especially from eating a lot of salt as well um that can happen but I I I just I felt so so not okay in my body and I knew that something was off so you know once I got back to Miami I I realized that my eating disorder behaviors were really really telling me to like go work out go run go lift weights go do this you know cleanse and um that is not what I should have done and I listened to those behaviors for a few days I went on a run I did some weightlifting blah 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 and then I totally just kind of hit this wall of exhaustion which is adrenal fatigue which is Hashimoto's symptoms hypothyroid symptoms all of which are triggered by stress So if you are dealing with Hashimoto's, with thyroid, with hormonal imbalance, with adrenal fatigue, if you stress your body out more by over-exercising or lifting weights or teaching a million yoga classes like I was doing because I had even more yoga classes lined up when I got back, it's almost like I, I did the opposite of set myself up for success. I set myself up for failure. (laughs) Um all because I'm a workaholic and I wanted to make money so there's that issue that I need to work out in therapy as well I didn't I didn't really put my my body's needs in into effect I was like oh yeah I'll I'll, right when I get back from the wedding I'll just sub all these classes I'm gonna get right back into it I'm gonna make tons of money and I didn't take into consideration like hey Gab you just basically restricted and didn't eat for like four days um you partied you drank you were around a lot of people you're introvert like you know you're, you're a highly sensitive person don't you think you should give yourself a few days to just like recoup so now I know um if there is another wedding that I'm going to I'm going to be more prepared I'm going to be I'm not going to put my my needs aside I'm gonna make sure that I have vegan meals available even if that means that I have to go you know away from the group and I have to go do my own thing because um, it's hard it's hard traveling with an eating disorder it's hard being around other people who don't have eating disorders because you just kind of want to go with the flow and not make any issues so after the wedding you know when we went to to Nashville 
Nashville is known for like barbecue and meat and pork and I was just like I can't fucking believe this so I just kind of chilled at the hotel I ate my snacks while everybody else went out and, and ate and like that's not something that I'm proud of um because as someone who is in active recovery that is just kind of handing over all of the power to my eating disorder but at the same time it's tricky because I was tired and I needed a little bit of alone time and we you know I was like oh okay like you know if I hang out at the hotel and they all go out to dinner I'll have a few hours to myself I want to shower I want to lay down I just I want to like listen to a podcast and just like get my head straight so you really have to listen to your needs when you're in recovery from anything there is no right or wrong way. You don't have to do, you don't have to say yes to things. You don't have to say no to things. Um, you have to do what feels good for you because I could have went out to eat with them, but it would have been really hard to find something vegan. It would have stressed me out. It would have maybe caused me anxiety. And instead, I just nourished myself in a different way. Maybe not through food, but through a hot shower washing my body, you know, breathing deep, putting on a a fresh pair of clothes, stretching, laying in bed, listening to a podcast, that is nourishment as well. Um, But, you know, um, as somebody with an eating disorder, I need to continue to remind myself that nourishment, like physical food nourishment, is what I need to focus on as well. Um... Something I have written down here in my notes is creating your recovery team. So everyone needs their own personalized team. It's, it's as if you're creating a sports team. You want the best of the best who, who you get along with. Um, you know, my, my recovery team right now is I have two therapists. One of them is an eating disorder therapist. The other one's just a normal therapist. I have an eating disorder mentor who is a recovered um person who had an eating disorder and she's recovered i also have an endocrinologist who i kind of hate but she's the one who's in charge of um, ordering my labs i have let's see i do go to support groups online sometimes when i have time i have gone to aa meetings and na meetings I do talk to my mom about this stuff and you know what is also important to mention is that keeping your parents in the loop if you have both parents if you're privileged enough to have both parents who are in your life or any family members sisters brothers friends any um, like strong support friends or family that you have in your life just like you know texting them and being like hey I'm having kind of a rough time. I just wanted to let you know um, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm working on. And I just wanted to let you know. So, you know, I'm here for you and I might need some support and that's it. So I texted both of my parents, told them, hey guys, I think I might need a little extra support. I needed to refill a couple of prescriptions that I haven't refilled in a while and one of them is like $75 which is fucking insane um 
and that is a medication that I really, really need to start taking again because it's for my Hashimoto symptoms. It's for, it's for all of my um, inflammation. It's for my gut issues. So it's like I, I basically put my health on the back burner for the last couple months because I dove headfirst into, you know, teaching and working and working out and dating, which I'm gonna get into. Don't worry. Um, but even dating is, is it causes stress. So make sure you have a recovery team. Um, not everybody has access to this, you know, full, full care. You know, if you, if you are like an addict and you're like, I need to go to inpatient treatment, I need to go to, to a facility, those facilities, eating disorder facilities and, and addiction facilities, they can run up to a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, it is fucking insane. Even if you have insurance, so you have to find other ways to to you know recover, and you have to find your way. You have to find different channels, different outlets, different people, different ideas. That's why listening to podcasts is so beneficial for me, at least, because it just gives me all different types of ideas, strategies, therapeutic standpoints, perspectives of experts. So I will put some of the podcasts in the show notes that I've been listening to. Um, Another thing that I wrote down here in my notes is that if I didn't have my therapist and my and my eating disorder mentor then I would be keeping everything in my body and in my mind right all my triggers all my emotions all my frustrations and I've had a really really frustrating week um it's been very mentally exhausting physically exhausting my body feels you know it was feeling really really terrible a few days ago and hormones play a huge role in it so if you're dealing with like some crazy symptoms like one day your body feels like it got hit by a truck the next day you know you feel like you gained weight the next day you have a migraine the next day you're like you're on the toilet all day these are these are symptoms that your body is communicating to you that you need to either change up your behaviors so for me like what's been helping me is writing on like big white pieces of paper my plans my notes what I need to do in order to heal my body because after 17 years of restricting you know purging over exercising binging drug use alcohol abuse toxic relationships um, stressing out my body constantly for 17 years to be honest no fucking shit I have Hashimoto's thyroid issues hormonal issues adrenal fatigue it makes fucking perfect sense you know I can't I can't sit here and beat myself up about it I just need to come up with a plan so whatever you're going through you just need to come up with a plan you need to get tons of information you need to do your research you need to figure out what other people have done Um, what tests to get done, what blood tests to get done, get a doctor, figure out what kind of plan is good for you and take those small steps each day to do that. For me, for example, I need to um, 
I need to eat more protein. I need to I need to eat more. I need to nourish more because after 17 years of eating disorders and stressing out my body, my metabolism, my hormones, thyroid is basically um, it's flatlined is, is what it feels like. My metabolism is like shot. Um, I gain weight very easily, even if I'm eating very, very healthy. And if you know me like personally in my life, then you probably know I eat really, really healthy. Um, borderline like orthorexic, which I'm working on. I'm not um, trying to be like hyper clean and hyper sensitive with like what I eat. But at this point, I have so many food sensitivities, food allergies, symptoms. Like if I have um, there's just like some some stuff that if I if I ha- I don't want to say it because I don't want to scare anybody from eating certain foods because that's so stupid. But if I have certain things, I'll get some crazy symptoms. I'll get diarrhea. I will be bedridden. I will be swollen. My joints will be will hurt so much that I cannot even move. I will you know, have these panic attacks, I will have depression and anxiety, I'll have brain fog. So when it comes to eating disorder recovery, like especially when you have autoimmune issues, when you have food sensitivities, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. Intuitive eating does not work for me. I have to come up with a plan and say, this is what I'm going to eat in the morning, this is what I'm going to eat in the afternoon, this is what I'm going to eat at night. Um, Because if I was listening to my intuitive eating muscle which I don't have an intuitive eating muscle because I've had an eating disorder for 17 years so that's that's my kind of allergic reaction to the word intuitive eating which I might be having somebody come on the podcast who is an an intuitive eating kind of um, dietitian eating disorder expert and it's going to be interesting because I'm actually not for intuitive eating for people with eating disorders. I think that it is actually counterproductive for someone who has had an eating disorder for a decade or more to be told, oh, you just have to intuitively eat. Just listen to your body. Just what does your body want? Eat when you're hungry. Stop when you're full. doesn't make sense. Um, and there is a uh, eating disorder expert that I'm trying to have on the podcast her name is um, Judy. Is her name Judy? Hold on one second. Now I want to find it. Mindy. Where is it? Mindy. Mindy Plutzer. She is like she speaks to my soul. And it's like I, I'm really hoping to get her on the podcast because she basically is saying everything that I'm saying right now but like in a way better in a way better sense so let's go back to what I was saying with um finding little ways to like help you change your behaviors by writing down my plans on big white pieces of paper and like literally sticking them on my wall so they're they're literally on my wall in red marker I have green sticky notes all over the place this is accountability this is accountability like little sticky notes 
like just anything you can do to continue to remind yourself hey do you want to heal this do you want to feel better then you have to do this because your therapist isn't going to be with you 24 7 and if i want to um for example heal my metabolism or heal my hashimoto's i basically have to stop doing cardio every podcast that i listen to has is telling me if you want to fix your metabolism and your stress levels and you want to have your body function properly and not have all these autoimmune symptoms ruling your life you need to stop working out you need to stop doing cardio so i have on my um on my wall six months no crazy cardio you know de-stressing the body is the only way to fix the metabolic damage nourishment and protein and rest equals healing thyroid adrenals metabolic damage blah 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 you have to make these plans and and hold yourself accountable so yeah that is what i am dealing with um Another thing is the body dysmorphia, which I kind of touched on in the beginning of the episode. Um, And there's just so much information out there, like diet cultures everywhere, you know, like even um, I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast and and he had Rhonda Patrick on, who I'm I'm a big fan of hers because she's all about the sauna. She's all about like finding natural ways to cure things. But she was talking about her ketogenic diet for like two hours on the podcast. And to me, it just sounded like she had an eating disorder. I mean, if you want to go listen to the episode, go for it. But um, a lot of people in the keto community, it's just ketogenic diet is like a glamorized way of having an eating disorder and not only glamorized, but like socially accepted which is a problem and it's very triggering, especially to me. Um, So yeah. This episode is brought to you by ThoughtCloud CBD, which is one of the purest CBD companies I'm affiliated with. They are Reiki-infused, vegan, sustainable, and pure, lab-tested, world-renowned CBD. And they have a variety of products from tinctures, to topicals and even face masks and facial cleansers that are infused with CBD in them. I've actually been using ThoughtCloud CBD products for almost two years now, and I love their tinctures so much. Um, It was one of the first companies that I really got deep into the tincture form of healing, and their tinctures are really nice and light. They have coconut oil in them. They don't have all these crazy flavors with additives and, you know, different types of chemicals that you don't want to be in your CBD. You just want exactly what you are getting. And the reason why you take CBD is to heal. So you don't want any of those junky fillers in there. And C- CBD is not meant to have that stuff in it. So Thought Cloud is all about healing, and I recommend using their tinctures for anxiety, depression, inflammation, gut health, autoimmune flare-ups, and I also use their CBD facial cleanser bar soap, the CBD mud mask that you guys always see me posting about in my stories. So if you'd like to check out 
thought cloud you can follow them on instagram just type in thought cloud or you can purchase anything off their website thoughtcloud.net and you can use discount code gypsy love flow for a discount and if they're ever having a sale you can also use my discount code gypsy love flow and that will give you extra money off even if it's like a 70 percent crazy sale that they have sometimes they have sales during the season so go ahead check them out thoughtcloud.net Use code GYPSYLOVEFLOW for a discount at checkout. Let's get into dating as a sober person. So if you're anything like me, as I mentioned in this podcast episode, I am not a typical like alcoholic, um, nor am I a drug addict. I have gone through phases of my life where I have done drugs and I have gone through phases where I have not. And it is actually easy for me to stop doing drugs and drinking. What's not easy for me to stop doing is my eating disorder. So again, um, I'm going to clump it all into one eating disorder, addiction, alcoholism. Let's just put it all into one big glob together dating as someone who is in recovery or trying to be sober from whatever it is that is their thing, right? Um, It can be hard because being an alcoholic or being, you know, in NA or whatever, it kind of like puts you in this category and you have this like big community to to delve into. You, You can go to meetings, you can meet sober people there, but if you don't feel comfortable enough to put yourself in uh in an na meeting or an aa meeting um and you don't want to label yourself in that way then it kind of you know sucks because then that means that you're not going to meet sober people in real life in those rooms which you know if you can if you can go to those meetings and just be there to meet people and take everything with a grain of salt because if you're not you know a quote-unquote alcoholic then you might kind of feel out of out of sorts sometimes. You might be like, ah, should I be here? I don't know. Um, whatever. Y- you can be there. Nobody cares. Um, even if you're not an alcoholic, everybody is just very welcoming. Um, when I was in Philly, I went to these Dharma recovery meetings, and now they're online. So you can go on Zoom and get get free meetings like all day, every day. Um, you just go on the Dharma Recovery website and it'll show you all of the, the meetings. And I like Dharma Recovery because it's not just drinking and drugging. There are people who do have like sex addiction, um, uh, some eating disorder stuff, some overeater stuff. I mean, it, it, like chances are a lot of people who have one thing they do kind of deal with other issues as well you know like food and body has become such a intense kind of thing especially with covid so a lot of people are dealing with body image issues weight gain like you know just being hyper aware of it but um since I'm not fully sober, right, since I don't label myself as, oh, I'm sober, I don't drink, um, 
it, it, it kind of makes it less acceptable for me to say, no, I don't want to, I don't really drink or smoke because, because then it's like, they can be like, oh, well, why? But if I was to say, oh, I'm sober, it's not like they're going to say, why? <laughs> um, but you can say whatever the fuck you want. You can say, I'm taking a, a break from drinking. Uh, I'm focusing on my health. I, I just said that the other day to, I just ran into this, this guy who I know, who I, who I knew from Fort Lauderdale, and I had no idea that he lives across the street from me, literally, like, the building across the street from me. He ran into me on the street the other day and was like, hey, how are you? Um, whatever. And then he, uh, he was like, he texted me, and he was like, do you want to go get drinks? And I was like, actually, I'm taking a break from drinking and focusing on my health, and it was fine, and last night I went over to his place, and I saw another friend that I hadn't seen in a while, and we just kind of, like, listened to music and jammed, and I didn't drink. They were drinking. It wasn't weird at all. Like, I think it's truly just about finding people who you feel comfortable around, because hanging out with strangers is not the most comfortable thing, so that's why drinking and partying is so is so acceptable because when you have an altered state of mind it's easier to deal with people who you don't really know and I think that's why guys really want to get girls drunk on the first date they want to bring they want to take them out to happy hour they want to get them drinks they want to get them drunk because then the guy's ego will feel more comfortable He'll be like, okay, this girl, she's kind of, you know, not really here, so she'll probably like me more. And it's a shame. It's a shame that a lot of guys are in this mentality because you're kind of just setting yourself up for failure. Because once the girl, you know, doesn't want to drink, maybe the girl doesn't want to drink every time she hangs out with you. If you start out a relationship or a dating person on a foundation of drinking and partying, then that means that you are getting to know the person in a false way. And I feel like this is exactly why every single one of my relationships has failed miserably because every single one of my relationships has started with drinking, with doing drugs. I mean, I'm not kidding. Every single one. Um... And that's a shame, too, because that's where I was at in my life. And, you know, there was one guy in Philly who I actually really liked. This is when I was sober. Um, and he was sober for a while. And then he started to, like, allow himself to drink here and there. And I think that um, made me want to drink a little bit here and there. And so when we hung out we both got incredibly drunk and we hooked up and that ruined our friendship but I really actually liked him I really actually liked his personality sober we met sober we hung out sober we talked for hours sober that is one of the first people that I started a friendship or a quote-unquote date I wouldn't say we were dating at all but um, he was pretty flirtatious with me and then once the sex happened everything dwindled and it's just alcohol really ruins things alcohol really fucks things up so if you can start a relationship or a dating a person 
in a sober mentality, you're going to get farther. I mean, you're not going to have to hide yourself. You're not going to have to worry about how did I act that night? Oh, if I act this way, he's going to think I'm crazy or, you know, it's just a bunch of bullshit. It's like, as millennials, we all need to figure out a way to just put our fucking shame and 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 trauma from past relationships aside and if we want to feel true intimacy and we want to feel true friendship then we cannot continue to just drink and party when we're hanging out with new people just to make it more comfortable for them or more comfortable for yourself I mean I had one person that I went on a date with um, a couple months ago and yeah I drank and I regretted it the next day because the date turned out to be like five hours long and I was so drained and I talked to him recently and uh, I was like yeah I'm not drinking anymore so and he was like okay like if you want to hang out let me know and I said okay well I'm not really drinking anymore so I need I like I'm trying to find places to hang out sober and he he was even saying like there really isn't anywhere to hang out sober I mean everybody drinks and he was even you know admitting like he drinks because he feels more comfortable and more confident when he's on a date with a woman he he just feels better he feels more confident and like that sucks um but it's it's like that all around i mean for so many people um so guys like I wrote this down and I'm going to try to be, I'm going to try to not sound like a total bitch, but this is, this is how I feel. And after dating, after sober dating, after, you know, trying to date sober, this is my, like, this is, this is my research that I've basically done. And this is what I'm, this is what I feel like guys intentions of wanting to go out for a drink as a first date it's not just the so- social lubricant that they're after. It's a way to mask who they really are. It's a way to get the woman into an altered state so she's more inclined to like them. And being sober with a stranger means no excuses on how they're acting. So, you know, if a girl goes out with a guy to get coffee or to go sit by the water and, and just talk, it's like, if the girl doesn't like the guy, the girl doesn't like the guy. If the girl doesn't like his personality, then that's it. But with alcohol involved, everything is skewed. I mean, there's been times where I've been drunk and I've looked at someone when I was sober and I was like, fuck no. And then when I got a few drinks in me, I was like, oh, maybe, yeah, they're cool. So it's like your whole perception of who people are is skewed and not in a good way not in a good way because you will you'll make excuses for people's toxic personality traits or annoying personality traits that you just don't like so guys know that if they get the girl drunk the girl won't really see the guy clearly since her state of mind is skewed and it's intimidating for a guy to go on a date with someone who is who wants to say who wants to stay sober because that means that they will see them with sober eyes, nowhere to hide. 
guys literally have DM'd me saying that they don't feel comfortable being sober on a date. The alcohol is a way to open up and loosen up. So that's your problem. Um, you know, if, that, if, if that's how you feel, that is your problem. It's not the other person's problem. If they want to be sober, that's fine. But um, it sounds like you just need to get therapy if that's, if that's truly how you feel. Like, oh, no, I can't go on a date sober. Are you kidding me? No way. That means that you have some inner work to do because you should be able to just go out to dinner and not have a drink and have that be an okay date. So get some therapy so that you can feel more comfortable with who you are because that is the basis of shadow work and you know if you can accept your shadow and the fucked up parts of yourself then you can be around people and accept them for who they are as well because you know you know your shadow you know your faults blah 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 so the alcohol is a means to end the discomfort with oneself in hopes that the other person doesn't see them for who they really are because there are some there's some sort of flaws that they're covering up with alcohol, right? Alcohol is a great way to to cover up shadow, you know? Um so why does a woman need to step down to that level just to make them feel comfortable or a man? Why does a woman or a man or transgender or non-binary doesn't matter what fucking, you know, gender label you have? Why does someone need to stoop down to the other person's level and drink or party just to make them feel comfortable? Um, So it's like, and I'm sure so many women do this. I mean, like, it cannot be that all the women out here in Miami actually want to go out and drink. I really highly doubt that all women want to drink every single weekend. I think that the drinking is a ladder to meet people. And what people really want is to meet people. What people really want is intimacy. What people really want is to date and to get out there and to get out of the COVID cave. So, you know, but a lot of women and men and and everyone drink and poison their bodies just so that the other person feels comfortable especially on a date because they don't want the date to be awkward everyone needs therapy let's all get therapy because I feel like that would really help us all just be more comfortable with ourselves and be able to set boundaries and say to the person you know what I'm taking a break from drinking let's go grab coffee let's go for a walk around around the river whatever you know you don't have to get to go get drunk to connect with someone also another kind of aspect of this that I've been thinking about is when a guy or a girl expects the other person to go out and drink with them on the first date it's like maybe you don't deserve to see me drunk and and that version of me the drunk and fun and altered state of mind me until you know who I am sober um and that's the beauty that was actually the the beauty of being at this wedding is that everybody knows each other sober drunk like we all know each other um it's not like we were all just having fun because we were all drunk. We all genuinely know each other from years ago from being in art school. 
so you know I feel like you 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 kind of really do deserve for that person to give you the respect of let's get to know each other sober a couple times and then let's go get drinks Um, But if we start a relationship on a false sense of reality with substances or mind-altering things, then that means the foundation of the friendship or the relationship is built on fake rocks. It's going to fall eventually. Your true self is going to come out. And unless every time you hang out on a date and you're drunk or high, um, you know, that's not sustainable. Just like crash diets, eventually your body is going to start craving food, binging, you're going to gain weight because of the restriction. So if you continue to restrict yourself from being your true self and you're 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 hiding your true self with drugs and alcohol and you're trying to be this perfect person, um you're only fucking yourself over in the long run. Your true energy and flaws are going to come out and play and that will turn off the person even faster because it's almost like you've set yourself up for failure. So you might as well just let them know who you are from the get-go and if they like you sober, awesome. Um, Maybe they won't like you drunk. (laughs) I mean, there have been times where people told me like, wow, you are really different drunk. Sometimes I'm really fun and go lucky and exciting like I was at the wedding. But there have been times where I've been like I've yelled and I've screamed and I've I've gotten in physical altercations with boyfriends because I was like drunk as fuck or like high. And that's not cool either. Um, so, yeah, making friends in the sober community is also kind of hard. Um, losing friends is normal when you're trying to be more conscious of not just being sober, not just recovery, but your boundaries. Um, you know, stating your needs or you know what I mean when I say fake friends and acquaintances and real friends. Like, you definitely know what I mean. A couple people probably came up into your mind and recently I've lost a couple of I would say acquaintances because when you message someone on Instagram, excuse me, when you message someone on Instagram and they see your message and they don't answer you for weeks or they never answer you, that is not a friend. I'm going to repeat it. If you have a quote unquote friend and you message them on Instagram to hang out or to meet up, maybe they're in town, maybe they're visiting, maybe you haven't seen them for a while, and they see your message, it says seen, and they never respond, that is not a friend, okay? That is not a friend. Unfollow, mute them, just move on, because you can fucking meet better people who actually want to fuck with your energy, it's possible. You just have to put yourself and submerge yourself into places, you know? Like, even if it's just like going to Starbucks or going to the coffee shop and sitting there or just going for a walk, saying hello to people who are walking their dogs, um, saying hello to people who are, you know, in your building, um, walking around going to the grocery store even if you don't need anything can you just walk around 
Can you go to 7-Eleven and get a cup of coffee or a snack? Who knows who you might run into? I mean, this is a perfect example. So the other day I was, you know, teaching yoga and I had an hour in between my two classes. So I taught yoga and I was like, what am I going to do? Am I just going to sit here at Equinox and like, you know, not really talk to anyone and just wait for my next class? Or I could go for a little walk. So I went for a walk and that's when I ran into that guy who I hadn't seen in like 10 years. The last time I saw him was when I lived in Fort Lauderdale and I was like 21 or 22. And this is when I had a drum set and we would all like have jam sessions and like I would invite people over with their guitars and their bass guitars and their amps and like I sucked at the drums but we still had fun and he was part of those group of friends if I didn't go for that walk if I didn't get myself going if I didn't go outside then I wouldn't have ran into him I wouldn't have known that he lives across the street I wouldn't have hung out with them last night and now I have a new friend who lives literally across the street. Like, like, you have to listen to those pings. If you feel like you're not getting out enough, then you need to start getting out more. You need to make that a priority. You need to go out, go for a walk, go talk to people. Just fucking do it. Because if you're lonely, what's worse? You know, sitting inside, being lonely, having a pity party, or going outside, saying hi to someone, even if they don't say hi back, even if you don't have like a long conversation, you don't need to have a long conversation just to feel that, that, um, what is that called? It's not serotonin. It is, it's, it's a feel good molecule that gets released oxytocin so when you hug people when you say hello to people when you connect with people even in like the most minuscule ways oxytocin is released and that's that feel good intimacy kind of molecule that makes you feel like okay like I have you know some some connections with people so really just finding any kind of ways to to be around people because if you do that enough you're gonna meet someone (laughs) Um, you know, another example is like, if you don't belong to a gym, like you don't have to, you don't have to go to the nicest gym ever. You can just get a crappy gym membership, just go maybe a couple days a week. Who knows who you'll run into? Who knows who you'll meet there? Um, go to concerts alone. Fuck it, dude. Meet people on Instagram, like I went to the Alanis Morissette concert a couple weeks ago with one of my followers, and he's fucking awesome. If you're listening right now, what's up, Buddha? Um, and he was like, hey, I'm going to the Alanis Morissette concert. Like, I know you don't really know me, but, like, you're more than welcome to come ride with me. And we had an amazing time, and, like, we had a great conversation in the car, and, like, we vibed, and we had such a good time listening to Alanis Morissette because he's a fan of, of her, and... I'm a fan of her and it was a good fucking time and if I didn't put on my stories on Instagram hey is anybody going to the Alanis Morissette concert then I wouldn't have gotten that opportunity to go to make a new friend to you know so it's like you gotta put yourself out there even in like the most stupid ways even if it's on social media so that's my spiel about trying to meet people in you know the sober community or 
sober-ish community or whatever. And if you are in this you know, tornado of dating, whether you are, whatever, whatever gender you are, it doesn't matter. You need to know exactly who, what kind of person you want. Don't settle because that's just going to make you feel like shit. I've settled so many times in my life and now I'm not settling. And I swear to God, I feel like I am more mag magnetic, if that makes sense. Like I find that that men are are like saying hi to me and opening doors for me and like the the door guys downstairs the valet guys downstairs at my building like a couple of them are like kind of flirtatious and it's like I feel like when you build your your worth and you know exactly what you want and you're not a doormat and you're not just gonna accept any any crumbs of love then you become more magnetic so I know what I want. I need an alpha dude to sweep me off my feet or I'm not budging. And it's kind of like I'm waiting for my own like Travis Barker. If you have seen all of these photos circulating on Instagram of Kourtney Kardashian and um, Travis Barker, the love that they have is it just makes it gives me like the chills because they've known each other for years they were friends first they have known each other since i think they were like you know i think she was like 18 or 19 when when he, when she met him and like they always lived like in the same neighborhood in calabasas and like they were always friends and now they're like in their midlife you know they're in their like mid 40s and they have this beautiful relationship that, you know, and they're both so submerged in each other. And, it, and you can tell that it's real because they, they're literally like kissing each other's hands. They're holding each other's hands. They're traveling to Italy together. They're, they're with each other all the time. You can't, you can't be with someone 24-7 if you don't like them or if they don't like you. Or you, have to, you have to mesh. You have to live well together you have to kind of be on the same level if you're going to be with each other all the time like that so you you know it's real um so that's my celebrity like couple inspiration is Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker I'm just waiting for my Travis Barker I'm just trying to be patient and I'm not trying to rush the process I am just trying to you know get better physically emotionally spiritually and I know that someone will come eventually but there's really no rush dating is a journey it's gonna be hard finding friends as an adult you, you know as a soberish adult is hard so just give yourself some credit for trying and keep putting yourself out there and yeah that is all I have I hope this episode helped. If you enjoyed it, please rate, review, or subscribe um, on Apple Podcasts um, or share it with a friend or a family member. You can screenshot it, you know, put it in your stories, tag me on Instagram, GabLoveFlow. I really appreciate you all for listening and for being here through the journey, and I hope that you're all having an amazing September so far. And just keep doing you, keep listening to your body, and just
just keep keep moving on keep moving along you got this